Welcome to this second episode of Musculoskeletal Anatomy and Physiology. I'm your host, Nicole Kelleher, and I'm a physician in the field of physical medicine and rehabilitation. This week, we are going to be investigating the pathology and anatomy of the lateral knee compartment. This podcast is specifically geared towards the education of residents in the field of physical medicine and rehabilitation. However, it may also be a useful tool in the education of medical students and residents in other fields such as internal medicine, family medicine, emergency medicine, orthopedic surgery, and anybody else interested in musculoskeletal anatomy and physiology. Well, let's get started. As I said earlier, today we are going to discuss the lateral knee compartment. And first up for a differential of lateral knee pain is just a simple neuropathy. And again, I bring this up in order that we review the cutaneous nerve innervation of the lateral knee. So the lateral knee is innervated superiorly by the lateral femoral cutaneous nerve. This is a nerve that represents nerve roots L2 and L3, and it's actually a branch off the lumbar plexus. It is typically not a branch off the femoral nerve. This nerve is an interesting nerve. It runs deep to the inguinal ligament and can often be compressed at this site, causing the syndrome of myalgia parasthetica, or neuropathic pain of the lateral thigh. Things that can exacerbate or cause myalgia parasthetica include obesity, tight belts, tight jeans, or anything that increases the propensity for the lateral femoral cutaneous nerve to be compressed under that inguinal ligament, which is most often the site of compression. Now, the lateral knee is innervated inferiorly by the lateral sural cutaneous nerve, and this is a branch of the common perineal. The lateral sural cutaneous nerve represents nerve roots L4 to S2. So next up on our differential for lateral knee pain is just a simple common fibular neuropathy. Now it's important to remember that the fibular nerve comes from the sciatic nerve and the sciatic nerve divides into the fibular and tibial nerves just superior to the popliteal fossa. After the fibular nerve branches from the sciatic nerve, it follows the biceps femoris to the biceps femoris insertion near the fibular head. It then spirals around the fibular neck and divides into the superficial perineal nerve or superficial fibular nerve, which innervates the lateral compartment of the leg and the deep fibular nerve. Now, as you can imagine, the most common site of compression neuropathy of the fibular nerve is at the fibular head and neck. And it's so common that this is actually the most common site of compressive peripheral neuropathy in the body. Most often patients will experience foot drop when they have a symptomatic common fibular neuropathy. Mechanisms for this can include casting, crossing legs, or fibular neck fractures. And in terms of foot drop, it's always good to remember the differential diagnosis for foot drop. So on my differential here, I have an L4 or L5 radiculopathy, both of which can cause foot drop. A sciatic neuropathy can cause foot drop, although this is a less common etiology of foot drop. A sciatic neuropathy can preferentially involve the perineal division of the sciatic nerve, and so you can get foot drop as the exclusive 
manifestation of a sciatic neuropathy. Now, more commonly, the common fibular or common perineal neuropathy is going to give you foot drop. And then you can also get foot drop with both a superficial and deep perineal or fibular neuropathy, more commonly the deep fibular neuropathy. Central causes of foot drop are also important to remember, such as in stroke. All right, so moving along, next on our differential for lateral knee pain is IT band syndrome, which is a very common cause of lateral knee pain. The IT band runs from the ilium to Gertie's tubercle. Gertie's tubercle is a small tubercle that is lateral to the tibial tuberosity and just inferior to the lateral tibial condyle. Now, the IT band crosses over the lateral femoral condyle, and this is going to be the site at which most people experience pain when they have pain distally at the knee from IT band syndrome. The greatest amount of pain is typically elicited at 20 to 30 degrees of flexion where that IT band crosses over the lateral femoral condyle. There is a bursa that is in between the lateral femoral condyle and the IT band at this point and is often a site of therapeutic injection under ultrasound. Some of the special tests that we do to evaluate for an IT band syndrome include Ober's test. In Ober's test, you will have the patient lay on his or her side with the unaffected side down and you will take the affected leg and lift the leg into hip extension and knee flexion. You will fix the pelvis and allow the affected leg to drop back down towards the table. If the affected leg does not reach neutral or if the knee extends, this represents a tight IT band and can be a supportive finding in the diagnosis of IT band syndrome. The other special test for IT band syndrome is a noble grind. In a noble grind, you'll have the patient sit on the side of the bed and you'll compress the IT band just superior to the lateral femoral condyle in order to increase friction between the lateral femoral condyle and the IT band. Then you'll have the patient flex the knee back and forth at 20 to 30 degrees of flexion. Pain will indicate IT band syndrome. Next up on the differential is an LCL strain or tear. The LCL attaches from the lateral femoral condyle to the fibular head, and distally it's covered by the biceps femoris, where they both insert on the fibular head. There's a bursa, again, in between the LCL and the biceps femoris that is a possible site of bursitis and pain. LCL injuries occur with a varus rotation force at the knee. Minor tearing is typically treated conservatively, and major tearing often requires surgery. It's important to remember that if a patient has an LCL injury, these are often associated with posterior lateral corner injuries, which we will discuss shortly. Next is biceps femoris strain. The short head of the biceps is an important muscle to test in EMG due to its neuroanatomy. The short head of the biceps is innervated by the common perineal division of the sciatic nerve, representing L5, S1, and S2 nerve roots. The short head of the biceps originates along the femur shaft and inserts on the fibular head. The long head of the biceps originates at the ischial tuberosity and inserts on the fibular head. The short head of the biceps is superficial to the long head of the biceps. 
The long head of the biceps is also innervated by the sciatic nerve, but it's innervated by the tibial division of the sciatic nerve and represents L5 to S2 nerve roots. This is an important distinction in EMG because testing of the short head of the biceps can help you localize a lesion in the evaluation for foot drop. If no abnormalities are seen on EMG testing of the short head of the biceps, this can give you evidence to help rule out an active L5 radiculopathy or sciatic neuropathy. In assessing for the cause of a foot drop, this would make a distal neuropathy more likely, such as a common fibular neuropathy. All right, next we have bursitis. There are a lot of bursa in the lateral knee. In fact, the lateral compartment of the knee is like a bursa sandwich. There are many soft tissue structures that crisscross in the lateral knee, and there appears to be bursa commonly in between them. So first, let's talk about the orientation of some of the soft tissue structures of the lateral knee. Deep to superficial, popliteus runs from an anterior proximal position to a posterior distal position. There is a bursa in between the lateral femoral condyle and the popliteus. The popliteus runs at an oblique angle in a similar direction, which the LCL runs from the lateral femoral condyle to the fibular head. There is another bursa in between popliteus and the LCL. There is also a bursa, as mentioned earlier, in between the LCL and the biceps femoris, which comes in wrapping around the knee from a posterior position proximally to a more anterior position distally. The bursa is often located distally where the biceps femoris crosses over the LCL at the insertion on the fibular head. And of course, we have the bursa that's located between the lateral femoral condyle and the IT band which is again often a site of steroid injection under ultrasound for symptomatic IT band bursitis with distal knee pain. Next on the differential of lateral knee pain are fibular head stress fractures. Fibular head stress fractures will often give you a positive hop test where the patient has pain with hopping, but oftentimes tenderness to palpation of the fibular head is also present. Anytime somebody has tenderness to palpation of the fibular head, you should at least consider that they might have a stress or insufficiency fracture of the fibular head. You can also get fibular head avulsion fractures at this location. Sagan fractures are another specific type of fracture associated with LCL tearing and medial meniscus injuries. Sagan fractures are small avulsion fractures of the lateral tibial condyle, and they occur with various internal rotation injuries. In terms of interesting named fractures, we should also discuss the Massenouve fracture. I'm probably not saying that right, which is a spiral fracture of the proximal one-third of the fibula, often at the fibular neck. These occur when there is a forceful eversion injury at the ankle. These fractures are associated with tearing of the distal tibiofibular syndesmosis and often also involve medial malleolus fractures and deltoid ligament tears. An important topic of discussion when discussing pathology and anatomy of the lateral knee compartment are lateral meniscus tears. The menisci are cups of fibrocartilage that sit in between the tibial and femoral condyles 
they deepen the joint space and stabilize the knee as well as provide low friction surface for knee joint gliding. The lateral meniscus is O-shaped and larger than the medial meniscus. The lateral meniscus is joined by the femur posteriorly and anteriorly to the PCL by a ligament called the posterior meniscal femoral ligament and the anterior meniscal femoral ligament. These ligaments run from the intercondylar aspect of the medial femoral condyle to the lateral meniscus. The last topic of discussion for pathology and anatomy of the lateral knee are posterior lateral corner injuries. The posterior lateral corner involves many structures in the lateral knee, including the LCL, popliteofibular ligament, mid-third lateral capsular ligament, the ACL, the PCL, the biceps femoris, the IT band, popliteus. Posterior lateral corner injuries can involve all of these structures to varying degrees. The special test that we employ to investigate for a posterior lateral corner injury is called the dial test. In this test, you will have the patient lie prone and put both knees into 30 degrees of flexion. If there is greater than 10 degrees of external rotation asymmetry when you externally rotate at the ankle, that is a positive dial test. If you have a positive dial test at 30 degrees, but a negative dial test at 90 degrees, you can assume that the PCL is intact, but that you still have a posterior lateral corner injury. If you have a positive dial test at both 30 and 90 degrees, then you have both a posterior lateral corner injury and involvement of the PCL ligament specifically. Surgical intervention is indicated for grade three injuries, which represent complete tearing versus conservative treatment, which is often tried for grade one or two posterior lateral corner injuries, which represent partial tearing of the involved structures. If repair or reconstruction is to be initiated, it should be undergone within two weeks of injury for the best outcome. If grade one or two injuries are treated conservatively, the knee should be immobilized in full extension. Both surgical and non-surgical treatments have significant weight-bearing restrictions during the healing process. That concludes our discussion of musculoskeletal pathology and anatomy of the lateral knee compartment. Thank you so much for joining us and please join us next time when we discuss the pathology and anatomy of the medial knee compartment. None of the information on this podcast should be misinterpreted as representing medical advice or any expert medical testimony. If you have a medical problem, seek care.